Let's talk about G4 claims because if you've been in a road traffic accident and it's not your fault, G4 claims can make it easy for you. They will provide you with complete accident management support that you require and they're going to recover your costs from the at-fault party. Now, they will sort you out with a like-for-like -like vehicle replacement and they're also going to organise your vehicle to be repaired at one of their approved body shops and returned back to your front door. Now, should your vehicle be deemed a write-off, they're going to recover the pre-accident value for your car and write you a big fat cheque for it and best of all, it's not going to cost you a penny as they charge the at-fault insurance direct. They don't cold call, they don't buy data and once they've processed your claim, your insurance will remain unscathed. And the best thing is, Nicole and the team over there, they don't take on your case if they don't think that you can help you. So, if you've been in a road traffic accident, or you know someone that has, get on to G4 Claims on 01698 767172. That's 01698 767172. Get them on the internet, not at faultclaim.com or find them on social media under G4 Claims Limited. G4 Claims, not, not at Fault Claims, made easy! 4 claims. That was G4 claims. Let's welcome to Football Daft a lady you will have seen on every sports channel going BT Sports, Sky Sports, Premier Sports and the BBC. On top of that, she has also has her own sports behavioural consultancy and has worked with football clubs across the UK. It is Connie McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Connie. Hello, guys. Thanks for coming on, Connie. Thanks for having me. Ah, it's great to have you on. Uh, what are you up to the now? Are you in a loft or something as I see you right now? Oh, I'm currently, um, we're renovating our house right now, oh. which seems like a really good idea at the time. Mm -hmm. And then in reality, uh, it's not quite as fun. So I'm down um, at my in-laws just now because they are sort of a nice wee halfway house and I've been painting all morning or actually choosing paint colours, but that's, it's not really high quality banter. <laughs> you, you mentioned you mentioned earlier you, you're at your in-laws. I believe that you've recently um, got hitched. Is that right? Yeah, I did for the third time. Oh, congratulations! Congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. Connie, congratulations. Right. So tell us about it. What happened? Was it, was it? Did it all go smoothly? Was it any good? <laughs> well, do you know? What I, do I know something really weird, right? And I don't know if this is just me, but. Everybody keeps on saying, like, oh, your wedding's the best day of your life and all the rest of it. And I was a bit like, is it, though? Is it good? <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit like, I, I didn't really have a lot of, like, expectation around it. And then I did it, and it was actually was amazing. Was that? Were you, steaming? Were you steaming? No, because, well, I had a couple of drinks, but I hadn't. Oh, that's another story. I've not been drinking for about a year and a half because of COVID. <laughs> well, that's another for another day. So that was like the first time I'd had like a couple of drinks. And so that coupled with like everybody being together for the first time, everybody getting an opportunity just to like chat and have a wee dance. And honestly, it was like folk were let loose. <laughs> so you were allowed to play music. You're allowed to play music. I know that only that, that did that because obviously I can't fault that we're going. Well, I'm not getting married until this ban on music's been lifted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were, so we were allowed to have music. We weren't really allowed to dance. Right. Ah, of course. Cool. Honestly, it was just amazing. And we Wait, just, did you get married? Well, it was originally meant to be in Tuscany, and then that got sacked. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. uh, it was in Edinburgh. So we nice. sort of couple of wee different locations in Edinburgh and we just had loads of lovely drinks and dinners and people there and just the whole experience was just oh oh that's good yeah. I, I mean you've kind of gave you've kind of gave me a wee buzz to be honest with you but get me don't get me right uh, uh, no until 2023 2023 summer so I uh, clone forward to I can't wait for your stag day man oh it's got to be I, I genuinely, I, like, I was never really a big one and like the whole, you know, like a lot of people are right into getting married and this is like a big thing for them and all that, like, which is totally fine. That just really wasn't me until yeah. actually I was like, now I actually get mm. why people are really into this because it's absolutely brilliant. That is a good day. I remember my wedding, everybody was... Was you not just at the hospital? You nearly I, missed it, didn't you? Aye, I, I nearly missed my wedding. You nearly, you nearly I, passed I, away. I nearly, <laughs> you laughed know, me, what you did? <laughs> Random sitting talking to Colin McLaughlin about how I nearly died before my wedding. Measles or something? Measles? I had meningitis. Got meningitis. I was in the hospital for about four months. But I read it in the paper. I didn't know you then, but I read it in the paper. I was ill for a while. What a bad year to get no well. I mean, but it was a great day. My wedding was brilliant. I made it. I made it. Well, I mean, thanks. Thanks. Round of applause, ladies. Anyway, on to Colin McLaughlin and football chat. Scotland going to the World Cup. 
Oh, Stephen, I really hope so. Like, uh, do you know, if you'd asked me this on whatever night it was after the Denmark game, I didn't mm-hmm. really have a lot of hope. I was We were covering the game for Five Live and I was sitting in the studio with Charlie Adam and Roddy Forsyth, who's one of our um, football reporters, and we were all kind of just looking around, like when that second goal went in and you're thinking, oh no, is this going to be an absolute row? And, you know, obviously with a lot of injury problems with COVID mm-hmm. and all of that, and just people sort of generally injured. And I was I was really hoping that it wasn't going to like end this whole campaign with a bit of a whimper. So mm-hmm. obviously the Moldova game was a wee bit of a foregone conclusion, but I'll be honest and say, like, I, I wasn't as, as confident because sometimes games like the Moldova game can be the games that I said that earlier on. Yeah. So I think given the fact that was such a narrow win and we got through it and that was like gave me a bit of confidence and, and everything was, was hinging on the Austria game and I was sitting, honestly, I feel as if, like, from a nervous point of view, like, I feel as if my nervous energy is just off the scale when I'm watching Scotland. I, I I hate it, but I love it. And that's now giving me that sort of feeling where I'm like, right, we've got a real chance. And it, and it just keeps you going, doesn't it? That feeling yeah, of like... It does. It does. But as Stephen, as Stephen once said, it's the hope that kills you. Well, it's like Cradle was saying earlier, it is kind of one of the things where just with the Euros quite fresh in the mind and what a buzz that gave the whole country and... You, you want it again, don't you? You just want it again, so... I mean, you want let, to get... Let me ask you that, see on the Euros, because we obviously get a flavour of, kind of, like, from a pundit's point of view, and we, like, get bits and pieces from, from like, you know, particularly from my point of view, because I work a lot in England, so there's a different viewpoint of how we are sort of using Scotland and all the rest of it. Like, do you think we're going to make it? I think I'm, I'm 50-50. I'm kind of... I'm no, I'm not hundred percent confident. I think it's, it's got. Even if we finish second, which we still need to consolidate second place, the teams you can still get in the playoff like for the second place, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult. Right. I think just nothing surprises us. We just don't know which we, we can. It would, be, it would be just the luck that we would beat, like I said previously, we would beat uh, Israel, beat Moldova, and then draw against the Pharaohs and need a win against Denmark. But then we'd end up beating Denmark, you know. Whatever way we do it, I don't, I don't mind. You forget that you're going to get to go, Connie. I don't know. Well, so <laughs> last we we do this. We did the Euros football breakfast um, mm. during the Euros there for the BBC for BBC Scotland, and I, I think I would imagine that'll come back in some form. But the way travel is and stuff just now, I, I honestly, I can't. I mean, I meant to be going to, I was meant to be going to Seville actually next week for the Europa League, but I, I can't go because of. I've not, I've not my second jacket. Oh really? Uh, I will. We need to like kind of push back travel. So I, I mean, I don't even know if it get gets to that point. If if the BBC would 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 travel for it, I don't know. I don't know. Because what, what's happening? Let's like, even like, 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 like commentators right now. It's all done in studio. Like nobody's flying at all. Mm. And I, are you worried as a journalist? What do you think? Like um, obviously, because we've had journalists on here before on the show, and they're telling us like the perks are gone to or the Fitbit stadiums in the world. You kind of worried a wee bit that you know network tellies companies turn around and go, well, it's cheaper for us just to kind of leave here. Just do it in a studio. Do you know what I mean? And watch it. But like yes and no because I think that. Like there, there are loads of perks and, and, and you know, and I've had been lucky enough to travel um a bit with, with my job and that's all great and it's and it's lovely. I think the longer I do it, like it's nice to have like a kind of balance. So it's nice to go to different places every now and again. But but sometimes like Europa League and Champions League can be quite relentless. Mm-hmm. And and because I travel quite up a bit up and down to Manchester from, from Glasgow. Like sometimes you're just like if you don't need to go then it's not the end of the world as much yeah. as, as, much as it's is that media, media city is that media city you go to uh-huh. yeah. but mm. to be, to be yeah. fair it's you know it's, it's no manchester it's Qatar. it's a really good holiday I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's but listen i know there's nothing better than being there being at the grounds when you're you know and like a massive competition like that like you won't you won't be there do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's Qatar, the world cup like, yeah, i'm gonna get mad with after the game we're like fucking 
I'm already sitting out. Messy or something like that. I'm already sitting I wish I came here Tom English or something <laughs> If we do get there, I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to go to the panel right here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to be in December. Aye, I know, that's a good show. I just can't get rid of it. It's in December. Aye. I'm surprised I didn't know that. Two shows in bloody the 15th of December in Scotland are playing. Nothing. Scotland play England. Aye. At the Qatar know. National Stadium. so for me, I always wanted to be a journalist, like always, which was quite a quite an unusual thing. I think that even when you're at school, you properly know what you want to do. And it was either that or I wanted to be an actress. All right. Mm-hmm. There you go, man. Um, and I know a guy that can get you in at Rubber City. <laughs> <laughs> you need your second jag first, but <laughs> um, and and I, and I love football, so for me it was kind of easy to make that like that jump between right. Well, I want to do this, so this makes a lot of sense to to sort of marry them both together. And I remember at school I had an amazing drama teacher who just a guy called Mister Russell, and he really like, used to sit me down and be like, right, okay, this is how you would do it, and this is the kind of route and whatever else into it. And for me, like I started off like I went to uni. I changed my course. I was doing journalism initially. And then long story short, like it was in Edinburgh. I was only like 16. I think I was just turning 17. I was really young. Right. That drive in at the time. And I was like, right, oh, it's Edinburgh's dead far away. Like I was, <laughs> 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 was like three buses and a train and it was like a big deal then for me. And then I ended up um changing courses and going to uni at Cali. And they said, oh, listen, we're, we're going to do a journalism course in like next year. So come and do like a social sciences course with us. And then like the next year you can transfer into journalism. Anyway, the social, the journalism course actually didn't materialise for another three years. And by that time I was, I was done. So mm-hmm. I continued on doing um, like politics and psychology. And then uh, I worked for a year. So I, like I worked, I worked in the gas board. So I was like, I, I was like a team leader, like helping people sell. So my team like sold gas and electricity. And I would like, my team were probably one of those annoying people that phoned you. So if you were, like, change your gas and electricity. Fuck out your phone out. Are you learning for that? You learn for jobs like that? You're learning to become an adult and how we deal with folk and brilliant. you had a bloody fortune. I was like, well, well, else it gives you it gives you the gift of the gab as well, doesn't it? Correct. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That, that stands you in good stead for a wee bit of journalism, I would think. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you need to uh, you need to talk rubbish if there's a good half an hour to fill on a program. Um, <laughs> if I start, my son's me speaks on this. If I start veering into the pros and cons, uh, like green energy, then you know that I've. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell us this one, Connie. Right, you're you're put on the spot. You're commentating on Brazil versus Argentina. The polos come on. Take a, take the Argentine or the Brazilian players off the park. Hmm. And then you've got an hour and a half television time to fill. What would you do? That's your that's your pundit's job, though. Oh, I suppose. Aye. Bloody pundits. So, so your job, my job's just to make sure that like you're you're able to keep the chat going. So actually, the presenter's job's the easiest bit in a way because you're almost like the kind of orchestrator. So you're just sitting like fielding the questions and just making sure that 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 can like that consistently the chat keeps on going and the, I, honestly the job of a good presenter is you don't really hear that often from them so see mm-hmm. if you notice when you listen to radio programs or tele programs if you're hearing too much for that presenter they'll try to get their shit in and they yeah, like, you, you shouldn't really be you should you should be you should be letting your pundits do their thing and kind of sitting and, and talking away so would you, would you just went like that? You make it out, eh? <laughs> <laughs> my, my usual is whoever your pundit is so John. <laughs> <laughs> and then we start talking. So that's, that's, what, that's why they earn the big bucks, is because, you know, it's their insight and analysis. Nobody wants to hear from me. They want to hear what the pundits got, got to say. So, well, we yeah. want to hear from you, Corey. Do you know what I mean? That's why we've got you on. Do you know what I mean? Because it is a very, very interesting job. Have you, have you ever had any mistakes on the, the radio or the telly? You ever kind of done like the end where you've kind of went, oh, no, man, I can't believe I've said that? All the time. 
Hi. Well, we had the daily barber on last week, and she says, um, "You put a shite over the top of the bar or something." Like that. <laughs> hey, the, the, what was it? The score shite. Score shite. Sco- on the score shite. I score shite. She said. Well, I, I've done two. Two actually. I think both including shite as well. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the first one was I was covering. Um, it was B- it was BBC Radio Scotland, and I and I'd said something I'd said about the t- St Mirren Twitter site. Like, <laughs> I've got like a wee tiny bit of a a wee snaky s, right? Hi. So I I I was none the wiser, and then Richard Gordon's like apologising. I would just have to say sorry for Connie's language. There, like, oh. you're joking. <laughs> I'm actually saying on air. I was like. Going to do me a favour? Will somebody text me and tell me what I've said? Like, I have no idea. And one of the boys had texted, he said shite on the radio. <laughs> and then the other one was, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was, it was shite again, but it was something to do with a site or something. But it was during the Scottish Cup draw, right? Oh my God. And I remember, I was, I'm sure it was me, Simon Donnelly, someone else I can't remember who's there and the in front of you so like the camera's kind of here and on your left hand side there's like the row of really like quite serious people from the Scottish FA they're really like everything's all above board and it's all like properly like done properly like adjudicators and stuff like that and I've heard myself say I can't I can't I was like shite or shit or something like that and I've just seen <laughs> I've just seen them all going <laughs> and I'm like, oh, for God's sake! Like, could you not? I just held it together. As much as I'm looking that way, you're in my peripheral vision. So then you're doing the whole rest of the draw, trying to keep it together as if it's like absolutely fine, and you're not even bothered with more fear. And I was like, oh my God! Could have been lost, mate. Could have been like Rod Stewart, then. I mean, that was that was a that was a nightmare, then. That that was. No, I don't want to talk about it again. It was very, very hard because they rehearsed it and they ch- they moved the cameras between the rehearsal and the live thing. So I, I, I <laughs> held the ball. Bo- I held the ball up to to, the, to what I thought where the camera was, which in the rehearsal was right in front of me. And then when they done it live, they moved it, so I was going and moving up. <laughs> <laughs> Do I know the thing with the cut draw? Honestly, this is a really weird thing to say. I've actually someone quite recently. See, out of anything I would ever do, like anything live TV, live radio, whatever. I don't really ever tend to get that nervous. The cup draws, no matter if it's pre- like I did the Premier, the, the League that's Cup draw for the finals a couple of weeks And like, that's the only thing I really get nervous for. Because, like, it's so serious. Oh, I know. <laughs> because it turns you into a cursing mess. Right. I, I was I was all over the place. It was how quickly Grado was turning around to a certain camera. Right. And, then see because, and then see because Rod Stewart had done that thing and he, he done it obviously intentionally to be funny and it was hilarious. On Twitter they're all going, he's trying to be funny, he's being stupid and all that. And I, Fuck him, what about <laughs> If I was going to do something funny, I'm sure I would do something better than if I can get it on camera. You know what I mean? Honestly, it's, it is, it's, a, it's a minefield, the cup draws. Right. Again. <laughs> if you're listening to BBC, Shell Suit Bob is available for cup okay, draws. The lavish one next to the guy you don't know. I can't reach the ball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I, need I can't reach the ball. Imagine Chris doing it. It'll be amazing. Somebody holding you up, man. Why he's a punty. You would just see the horn coming out if you were Honestly, you don't want to bother it. That would be funny. That so, if that makes you nervous, then, Corey, what's, what's your favourite gig you've done? What's your favourite when you look back so far? Uh, like, so, f- I think for me, like, I like I love, like, I love doing telly and it's great and all the rest of it, but I love radio. Like, I love radio. I That's love good, it. isn't it, man? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just feel, have you, do you like radio? I like it now. I like it. So I became a passion now. He's, he's got his own radio he's got, show he's, now. He's his breakfast show on oh. Go Radio. Uh, See, Connie thought you just like listen to it. She, she <laughs> thought, Connie was like, what's Go Radio? Is that one of the pirate stations? Oh, dead funny. There's <laughs> <laughs> no, a guy called know, Crofty. What's great about it is like, you've got, I don't know, like, I feel as if you can be kind of more you can be more yourself. You've got it's more brilliant. time. You just like it's more immediate. It's like you've got that kind of opportunity just to connect a wee bit more. I think with your audience and and so for me, like I love like I love Five Live. Like this is like my, my total. Like I listen. I, to I love Five Live, man. 
just the best thing ever. And I think the first time I ever did um, Five Life Sport for me was just like, I'm sitting, at, honestly, I was sitting in the studio and I was like, just ready to go on air. And I was like, you know, like a total yeah. imposter syndrome moment where you're just sitting going, why are they just about to let me on the radio here? Like, why? Right. Are they <laughs> and I'm like, pretending this is, I'm totally fine with it. But inside, I'm like that. Ah. Inside, so, you're like, ah, don't say shit. Don't say shit. <laughs> don't mention Siberian or their first. <laughs> <laughs> like right. So, but then you, then do you know what? It's really funny. I think as well, like really quickly, that becomes quite normal. So then you're like, and then it's the next thing you're doing that's like, oh, that feels quite normal as well. And it's like, you just, you, like you kind of just get used to that becoming a new kind of normal. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. Good. Do you agree, Gredo? I just, I, I just, I love it now because you're right. You can come on and you can just, and it's no script. You can see what you want and blather away, and you're right and put a wee connection with the crowd and stuff like that. I'm in the same lines. Wait, he's laughing at you. Not <laughs> laughing at anything. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just thinking about how fucked I would be if I was Aye. on the radio. I just love how when we no. see when we have somebody on the talk about radio, Gredo gets so defensive when we have a wee giggle about it. It's like don't talk about my radio show. Don't talk about my pals. Gredo, do you do like music and stuff? I do the music, I would play music, I, I, no repeat 9 to 5 what day. <laughs> we don't repeat a song between 9 and 5. That's good. Bye and we've got, the 10K, we've got the 10k taxi as well, all you need today is answer 10 questions, you just fill in the go to the website, this is go.co.uk, head to the win section, fill in your name and tell us where you'll be at 10 past 8 every morning, Monday to Friday, we'll send Glasgow taxi to your door, answer the 10 questions, we'll give you £10,000, we're here till 10 o'clock. And that's <laughs> And here is Paolo Maldini. <laughs> That's Paolo Maldini. Paolo Maldini. Hi, so Corey, top, top rivals, doing the wee teammates thing uh, for our Patreon subscribers, right? Uh, and you were talking about interviewing Paolo Maldini, and Crystal thought you said Paolo Natini, right? Wow. So I'm a big fan of AC Milan. Right, I've got the top on here. I love Paolo Maldini, right? So what was that like? Ah, that's cool. So first thing I've got to say is I'm a huge Juve fan. Aye. So, Corey, thanks for coming on, and we'll speak soon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't deal with us in any. Um, so, for me, like, um, I, I love, I just love Italian football. It's really boring. Cause like, Tell me this one: did you did you grow up watching football Italian on a Saturday on morning? Channel Four? So, so that's so that's the reason for me that I thought Aye. that sports journalism was a good idea because James Richardson changed the whole way that I looked out. The, how football was delivered and how football mm-hmm. was packaged. Because actually, I was used to like growing up watching things like grandstand and kind of sports mm. scene and sports and like whatever that Scott sport and stuff like that. Old men. Like, I did. You know, Archie McPherson and twee, all. Twee, very twee, very twee. I know, but for me, as like a younger girl, that that that's not turning you on. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like... I don't know, Des Lynam's quite a good-looking fucking guy. <laughs> 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 and then you see him, then you see James Richardson sitting in a, ca- a coffee shop, and that means papers out and all that, a wee, a wee, a wee espresso. And he's ma- but he's making it fun. Mm-hmm. He's making actually, he's making it like a story, which ma- which captures your imagination. Yeah. And honestly, watching that for me became quite like, quite obsessive. So like, all my pals were all sitting like going out on a Saturday morning, or they were like trying to tape going live or whatever. And I was taping football Italia or Gazette. Football Italia. Jesus, he was right ahead of his time then, wasn't he? When you think about it, it was, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go out and I'm here, and I'm going to say I think uh, Channel Four Football Italia. Is the best football program Aye. that there's ever been. I, I love it. Uh, uh, even I love even, it. even the tune when it was starting, amazing. It was like the only bad thing about it was Juventus. Don't Remember, remember when they get relegated for cheating? Well, can I tell you though? At that point, right? That's how you get involved in that ever again. Because like like even like of my era, the the UV of my era were obviously the team that they were. They were really successful. At that point. Like actually, only about well, my my now husband, right, or for my first birthday. I, this is probably why I ended up marrying him. But he's like, um, so happy birthday. Here's like a wee thing. Got me some clothes and all the rest. But that was nice. And then he got me this book, and I had to open the, the this book up. And he's like, right, in three weeks time or whatever, we're going to Turin. Oh, nice. Like thing at the new Delhi Alpi, which is obviously not the like the the mm-hmm. one that was there at, like when I was when I was kind of watching it, and this this whole kind of UV thing. We went to Turin, honestly, 
Like it was the it was the best experience I've ever had at a football stadium because I wasn't there working. I wasn't mm-hmm. there like as you know, kind of as a fan as you would be in Scotland because obviously everybody's got their Scottish team. But this was like a kind of reenactment of my teenage years in mm-hmm. a football stadium. It was so so amazing. So you're right. I think that that passion for me began with that football program, and this mm-hmm. is what's so amazing about the jobs. The That's good. So what you're telling us is you're sitting here doing an interview with us because you're James Richardson. Basically, do I know what's even funny? Even funnier, my agent phoned me a couple months ago and she's like, I need to tell you something. Like, this is quite big news, whatever for you. She's like, Guess who's joining the agency? And I was like, Yeah, she's like, James Richardson. I was like, he does the fantasy football. I, I, I do fantasy football, the Premier League fantasy football, and you watch the wee things, the, the fantasy football show, and he does it. He hosts it. Aye, James Richardson, he's a legend. I but the same thing happened to my 21st, me and my wife. She was my girlfriend at the time. She took me from my 21st to Milan. We went to San Siro. That's and it was kind of the same thing. Aye. See, I, I, I was... My, my 14th birthday, my dad took me to <laughs> go, <my dad laughs> <me> go-karting. <laughs> and then for your 15th, the full sailor team took you to Dortmund. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did you so, uh, No, I was just saying, I, I was saying you've is probably my favourite Italian team. Aye, whatever, mate. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I've always ah, AC Milan. George, George Weah, Frankie Baresi, Dimitri Albertini. Uh, I think it's Costa Cutter. I think it's because, because we played them in 1995-96. And then I also think it was because when I, in Spain, remember they used to get the Snidey taps? Remember they used to get the Snidey <laughs> fabric? Right. They would come in the same box, you would get the top and the shorts. And the socks and all. Aye, and they would have the sponsor on it, but they wouldn't have like the no. sport make. And, and I get the Juventus ones, I think I, I would probably always yeah, so have you remember Del Piero scored a world day past mm-hmm. Gorham, man? Aye, obviously, I guess Gorham was it Billy Thompson. Aye, was it Billy Thompson, so nice, well done. Aye. So who's your, who's your all-time favourite UV player then? Del Piero. Like to the point where I still follow him on Instagram and he's aye. moved to LA. And I like I stayed in LA for a wee while and I was like to my brother, I was like, honestly, when I found out he'd moved to LA, I was like, Steve, I told you, like we're some sort of we're it's synchronized in some way, some sort of soul level. He's moved to LA. My like, I was reading a story about him the other day when when UV got put down the leagues, Alex Ferguson uh, tried to sign him for Man United. And he approached him and he said, Listen, I'd like you I'd like you to sign for the club and he says, This is the moment when Juventus have needed me the most. And I won't, I won't be leaving. Do you know, you don't get that anymore. And do you know what else I love about him? He fucking loves Oasis. Does he? He loves Oasis as well. The Little Prince, as he's known. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. And, he's, and, and I think like that's like the... You, you very rarely get a player like that, you know, I suppose apart from like you've seen with Messi, which I think is even still weird. I, I think I might just pretend Messi's not at PSG because I'm not really sure how I feel about it. It's weird, it's, it's weird. It's, it's bizarre um, that, that a player who goes through his whole career, or well, his whole adult career anyway with a one team and, 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 and there's pros and cons, a lot of people would say about development and stuff like that, but he's right, that was the point where Juventus, if he turned, if he turned around and left at that point, I think there would be a black mark on the history of his connection with that football club, and I think he mm. must have known that. He's not defending uh, the money. Mm. She touching on Messi there. I think what a lot of people have forgotten is the fact that see if it wasn't about money for Messi, he could have went back to Argentina, back to the club that the news old boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I think there's more to the Messi thing than than what well, both sides are letting on. Well, remember Messi saying though that for him, like. He would have stayed. It wasn't as if it wasn't as if he was saying, "Give us more money." To stay. He said he was heartbroken when he heard the news because he was wanting to stay. Barcelona were like, "Listen, you need to go. They need. They need they're, to take." They're in a mess, aren't they, Barcelona? They're in an absolute mess, they're it's, a real, it's a real sad thing to see. That the guy's been making a million quid a week, near enough for mm-hmm. the last five years. Surely, if he wanted to stay that bad, he could have played for nothing like Kevin Thompson. I know, but they, they wouldn't. They're not. They're, he's not allowed to. Aye, they couldn't. Oh, is there a minimum wage or something? Even if they played them a pound, apparently, or whatever, or something. I love how we're talking about Messi and Kevin Thompson in the same sentence. It's <laughs> 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 probably that. It, it, it's, um, it's something to do with, I, I don't know the ins and outs, but I remember reading it somewhere, that, that if that had been the case, they, they wouldn't, the league wouldn't have allowed them to be able to do that. Mm. So that's why they had to, yeah. I, I, I'm assuming they also would have had to have taken the fee for him. Could I, could I play them as a trialist every week? <laughs> <laughs> so, Corey, you're talking about love for Juventus. Are you, do you have a Scottish team? Do you want to reveal if you've got a Scottish team? Don't do it. Don't do no, it. I, have a, I think, I 
think, do you know what? Like, I always have a bit of an issue with this because I think that if you're a Scottish football journalist in Scotland, you've got a Scottish team, right? Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have a Scottish team, then I think it would be quite strange that, you know, to have that kind of level of passion for a country, for football, and not being somewhere invested in it. Um, for me, I grew up a Celtic fan, and I, you know, I don't think I've ever made any real secret about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think you need to. No, you don't. But then I don't, but that, and it, I think, I think in, in some ways, it can be a, I don't know, it's not necessarily a hindrance talking about that, but I, I, I feel as if I wish... Right, an albatross. It's, it's an, you're right, but Connie, it, should be, it should be a thing that you, like, everybody should be able to say who they support it is, but it is the way the, the culture is in Scotland and how... how Aye. It is. Well, so you're talking about having Ailey on last week. Ailey's one of my good friends, right? And Ailey obviously can be very open about being a St. Johnson fan. It's like almost a taboo subject if I come out and say, you know, like when I was younger, I supported Celtic. Or it's, which I don't think is particularly fair because I don't think it in any way doesn't allow me to do my job effectively. I don't think... Of I course not. You know, in any way impartial because because you can be, that's your job. Do you know what I mean? Aye. If I didn't do your job properly, then you'd be... I think you'd be quite quite quickly find out about that. But you but and then also like as doing this job, you also know who everybody supports, so it's quite annoying because you're like, mm. right. <laughs> a Celtic fan or whatever, you're like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Tell me this one then. Um Celtic versus Juventus at Celtic Park. Who were you supporting? <laughs> I was there, actually. I was there. Um and it was Celtic all the way. Of course, still Even when Delpers put that free kick right into the top bin. So see what see that game actually where he put that free kick in. I was in it, which now I think is like where um like the Green Brigade sit. Mm-hmm. I was like in, in that corner, and the, the free kick went in just almost the kind of top left hand or top. Uh, oh, yeah. like left hand side or something. Um, I was right in that corner, and I remember being like, "Well done, Del Piero," but I was also gutted. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Time and, like, <laughs> with each other as well. I know. <laughs> Connie, what's what's sports behaviour? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know about the consultant. I've never, I, I, I'm just seen it done. I want to know, what's, what's that about? So, all right. So basically, so I started a company about seven or eight years ago because I had, so I said to you before that when I was at uni, I was had done the psychology stuff. Latterly, like, so I went back to uni and did a broadcast journalism postgrad, and that was all great chat. Did all the stuff I needed to do at Radio Clyde, then moved to Sky, and then came when I was down at Sky, I had a wee bit of a kind of, I don't know, wee bit of an epiphany where I was like, I don't really see myself doing this every single day. I was, I felt as if it was, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't really like making me feel I want to jump out my bed every single day and run to work, right? And I was kind of thought at that point, like, I feel as if like, if you're here, you're not here for a very long time. I want to really love what I do. And I was kind of had lost that feeling a wee bit about my job. And I had went, this is quite a strange um, set of circumstances, but I went along to this meditation class in Leeds where I was living at the time. And I remember being in that class and being like, feeling quite like I like I think I was kind of on the like mentally I was struggling being down there it was the first time I'd been on my own and I didn't really know what to do I felt a wee bit like trapped in a job that I didn't really like there was all this kind of who habit all like you're going down there it's just your opportunity to kind of like really make it whatever the hell that means right and and I felt like I was failing and I was like if I come back up the road I'm basically saying I can't do it and if I don't come back up the road I'm going to be in a situation where I'm really not very happy so I was kind of stuck and didn't really know kind of what route to get out of it went to this meditation class and in the space of an hour I had this feeling where I just I felt clearer I felt um like I was just, I felt happier. I felt, and, and I was like walking out going, what the hell's just happened there? So if I can do that in an hour, right? Like if I can change the way I felt with that, about that whole kind of heaviness feeling within the space of an hour, like I want to know A, what the hell just happened? And I want to know mm. B, how I can get more of that stuff. So it kind of sparked a wee path and journey of me exploring what that was, doing more kind of understanding, not just with the psychology side of it, but kind of more the spirituality route because I think I was it, I, I, a wee bit of a kind of intuition that it was a kind of bit of both, but I didn't really know what that meant. 
And then I ended up going, long story short, ended up, um, went back to uni again. I did another master's in, in like uh, a culture and team uh, coaching and kind of moved to America, <laughs> did some stuff with um, oh. organisations in Chicago and LA and really kind of got to grips with like, well, I knew, I knew what that meant for me, but like, how can I teach that to other people? And then it just naturally grew into how can I do that within groups of people? So that's kind of how that started. I ended up coming back home and then I was like, oh, maybe I could look at how this works within an area that I know, which is football and footballers teams. How could I marry them both up? And then um, I reached out actually to Peter Houston, who was the full crook manager at the time. And I was like, listen, I've got this idea. I've been working on it. It's been quite successful in the States. Not really sure if it's going to work here because I'm not really sure we're ready for it. But let's just try it. Have you done to lose? So we did. And it was really successful. They ended up getting to the playoff final that season. Season after that, they had like some really, I know John's like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Connie, I, I, I can't remember if I texted you or whatever, saying thank you very much for that. Because we <laughs> in the playoff, it was brilliant. Absolutely. It was just because we were, honestly, it was, it was incredible because we were scoring so many last minute goals I, I don't know what you did to Bob McHugh by the way Corey but it was just like we were scoring so many last minute goals just driving right. to the end and wow. I honestly think it had a lot to do with right. seriously yeah, yeah, yeah that's amazing there was a belief though honestly yeah. so sometimes that's not coming from that's not coming from an individual going in that's come that's coming from what they're creating themselves and within that team environment it's all about kind of looking at culture looking at how they relate to each other how they kind of try and grow that and how that builds that's why Teams, look at Denmark, for example, right? You mm -hmm. see Denmark like as a, a footballing nation, right? They've got great players, but they've now got something that they're really building and, and, and hanging on to that is making and propelling their ability more so than probably their their, their capabilities might suggest. And, there's, mm -hmm. and that, honestly, see when you're talking about, you, people use this phrase, mar marginal gains, but that's actually what that's about. It's, a, it's, it's using the things that are within the people that are within that team to the best of their ability, putting it all together and propelling them forward. And that's kind of the, that's kind of what my job was at that point, was just kind of helping teams be able to do that. But I suppose the tricky thing in Scotland is that my probably my fear initially was right, that there was not as much of a... Uh, football's tricky because, as, you, as we all know, right, that the, like, the lifespan of a manager is very short. Uh -huh. that stuff takes a bit of time and it takes it takes time because you need buy-in from everyone and you also need buy-in culturally so it's not and I'm not just talking about the team that's got to feed down from every kind of part of the organisation and if you get one wee bit that's not really right or if there's kind of conflict at different parts you end up trying to deal with all these different kind of segments before you can actually deal with the team itself so, uh -huh. so what you're saying is if there's one bad apple it can spoil the punnet it can, I. It can, but but equally, it's about the strength. The strength of the the, the many needs to be more. Do you know what I mean? Like so, like how do you make that kind of group stronger so that that person or that the, the bad egg or bad apple or whatever good analogy uh, you want to use? Yeah, let's just throw that in. Throw that in. I'm gonna hold him. I'm laughing, Corey. Throw it in regularly. He, he, right, he, he's, well, he's, but, he's, he's, he's a bit of part. It's a bit of part. I think. But, but it's true. That is, I, I, see, I told you, it's true, lads. And Connie's just proven it. So, for all the listeners, thank you very much, Connie. <laughs> what other clubs, what, did, did you work with other clubs, Connie, with us? So, I worked with um, Falkirk, Kilmarnock, and then I worked in a couple of clubs in England, which I'm not really allowed to. Mm. Hi. What did, what did they rhyme with? <laughs> they rhyme with lawsuit. <laughs> 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 so that's but that's a good example though because a lot of these teams and a lot of players you're signing confidentiality stuff beforehand because actually like you a lot of players don't want to look like they that they're working on that, that I think it's changed now because this is a good uh -huh. sort of four or five mm -hmm. years ago. I do think that I do think it's changing because like a lot of clubs will have sports psychologists. By the way, not all of them, which I'm shocked at. And a lot of them will use sports psychology when something's wrong instead of actually using it as just the norm, like as uh -huh. an additional thing, a strength and conditioning coach. You look at like Brentford, you know, the the, the guy who they're they've brought in to work on long throws. 
and like the difference that they can make with just the, the difference of the, the distance that guys can throw it through you know it's throwing so this is like the type of wee things that they're seeing and I remember listening to the Monday Night Club on, on Five Live and the guys were kind of like oh well, you know in my day this wouldn't have happened and stuff but actually now they're saying like we now realise that that's part. like we should have done it do you not think a lot of, a lot of the teams have kind of they, they hark back to the whole faith healer Glenn Hoddle kind of thing and they maybe don't buy any because of the amount of basically slagging that he got for that sort of thing. I think I think that I think we're moving on for that, but I think you're right. I think as as a kind of society, we're still probably quite a bit behind. Mm. Um, you look at you look at um, Djokovic. Djokovic mm. uses meditation every day. Uses it as part of Messi. Uses that as part of his his. Um, his uh, warm down and, and part of his kind of process of, of like healing injuries and stuff like that. There's all the re- honestly, see the research and whatever the, that's out there is well, it fascinates me a bit. It does. It, make, it makes me think like, uh, see, listen to you. You're obviously a very intelligent person. Is there anything out there that you want to? No, I, I could sit and listen. I don't know. You kind of remind me of Joe Rogan a wee bit. <laughs> I don't know if you. Well, I I mean, mean, do you know what I mean? It's kind of. I feel as if uh, you would. You you would. You could branch out away from sport and only other things as well. That's do you get? What I mean, like, I don't. Is there anything else you want to sort of achieve? I know. I know you do a lot of sports. You want to go else? back into your world of acting? Do you want? Do you, do you want to uh, come uh, River City or something? <laughs> I, I said to Kyle the other day. I was like, "See, when I'm older and I've done what I want to do mm-hmm. in the world of presenting, then I like. I really want to do." You know, I'd love to like to do a, a cameo on Holby or like. I could believe that. I could believe that, like you're saying there, Gredo, listen, I could believe that maybe in about 10 years or something, you've done everything you want to do in this, she'll end up turning up in like a soap or something. Aye. Do you know what I mean? Like, or do you know what I really like? This is so, see, because we couldn't go on an actual honeymoon, right? We ended mm-hmm. up in the Cotswolds, which is brilliant. And like on the way to the Cotswolds, I was like that to Kyle, my husband. I was like, right, so you know, like in the Cotswolds and stuff, there's this program on Radio 4 called The Archers. And I was like, and it's I'm like honestly, like, see, because I drive quite a lot, I quite listen, I quite like listening to like I love podcasts and all the rest of it, but I like random like radio four like shows or plays. They're good. All that stuff, right? Because it's a bit different. And it could be a, a absolute lot of guff, but it's quite good to just listen to something a wee bit different rather than the same like playlist mm-hmm. that I've had. Some, on it, some of the voices are funny, aren't they? When you I was like, oh, maybe when I'm like like older, I could be cut, I could pop up in some Radio Four play. <laughs> oh, I right, know. That's amazing. Hi, <laughs> right, welcome to this afternoon's place. Now, Conor McLaughlin. <laughs> so, do you think that you could take that that system that you've kind of developed and move it into other walks of life? That's what I meant, kind of. So, like, you've got your mm-hmm. you've got your your sports behavioural thing that you've got, but say for example. Just for talking sake, like going into River City and being in the being in the studio with them, do you think that you could tailor it to like actors or, or yes, office workers? So, so that's what I was doing before. So I so I was working with kind of larger like so or like different businesses. So honestly, I worked from anything from like kind of um, like financial organisations, um, like like kind of big banks um, to you know. Like, you know, Innocent Smoothies, mm-hmm. like, in, like, like in London, we were oh. working on them. So, like, there was loads of organisations that, like, I went in to do, like, sessions and stuff with. Um, but it was so random because I, I then started working with a club that, again, we, we won't name. And then, <laughs> that rhymes with Lawsuit. Which rhymes with confidentiality. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and the manager got sacked. Well, just as I was about to, so I hadn't actually started with them, but I was just in the process of kind of going through that whole thing. Um, and the manager got sacked, and I was like sitting, and I was like, "Oh God!" Like I didn't. I then then I had like kind of this whole process and whole sort of whole like bank of time where I'd kind of you know judged that I was going to be with that club that I wasn't doing anything, and randomly, um, and also you're living a lifestyle based on the world that you've created for yourself, right? So I mean. I had bills to pay, I had a mm-hmm. car at the door that wasn't going to pay itself. Like I had kind of got myself into quite a nice position. But equally, because it's your business, like 
nobody else is bringing it in for you so like, you're constantly driving that as you know like you'll know if you're you, you know when you're freelancing you're doing all this kind of stuff that you guys do um mm. and then i got a call totally out of the blue now whether you call this the universal intervention whether it's like the law of attraction or whatever it's it, life Whatever it is, you you use the phrase if you're like in the Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> the grand, the Gregory and the Grand Wheeler. Is it the Grand Wheeler? The Grand it's Wheeler. Like, it's, like a, it's like a sliding door moment, isn't it? Yeah. Going through to yourself, either you're going down this path or you're going down another path. And I got a call from a woman, uh, or sorry, a guy at BT Sports saying, listen, we'd really be interested if you wanted to come and do some stuff with us and blah, blah, blah. And I was a bit like, no, because, you know, I'd already made the choice that I was kind of moving away for that stuff. And then actually it was like, well, there's a, there's a story about um, this guy who, somebody told me this years ago, and it's actually a really, really interesting sort of analogy. And it was this guy who was like in a flood and he's like praying to God to come and help him. He's like, oh, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to die, but I need God to come and save me. So a guy went by in a boat and he's like, no, I'm, thanks very much. I'm fine for the boat. Like, you don't need to ask me. God's going to come and get me. Oh. And then the other guy's coming over a helicopter and he's like, no, no, it's fine. God's going to come and rescue me. And the guy ends, the guy ends up drowning and he gets to heaven and he's going, well, you said you were going to come and rescue me. He's like, well, I sent a boat and a helicopter. You're going to need to take up. For me, my, my thought was like, no, you know, there's going to be something else that comes out the balloon. It's like, well, BT Sport were coming saying, right, this is an opportunity to come and take this sort of life up again if you want it and I made that choice to just see what happened and then things for me in this sort of walk of life on this right hand side just took off and it was mm-hmm. now I don't I don't do anything with that anymore but I live my life by those principles that I try to and I think it's made me a better broadcaster I do stuff now that's not just sports so I've been doing like the drive show I've been covering a wee bit for in, in Five Live. I've been doing early breakfast on Five Live. I've been covering for Kay Adams and BBC Scotland. And that's, you know, programmes that are like about life. <laughs> Can we really do them without having had life experience or challenges or, you know, learning a wee bit more? So I think like, in answer to your question, would I do more of that stuff again? Probably not. But I genuinely think it's been the best experience I've ever had. And I'm so grateful for having had... Like, I suppose the bottle to kind of follow it because I could easily have been like, oh, I'll just stay in my lane and where I was. I knew that I was never going to be happy if I did that. Mm-hmm. Have you never thought of training up other people to do it? I thought about it, but I've not I've, I've not done it. Well, there you go, there's something for you there. <laughs> <laughs> I think, by the way, I think just before we're going to quiz, I Aye. think she's going to absolutely stroll this quiz, by the way. So... Connie, <laughs> Connie. Oh, you don't know about the quiz? Honestly, you're not told about the quiz. I didn't no. tell Connie about the quiz. You know what? He gets everybody in, he doesn't Aye. tell them in no. case they say no. So, Connie, <laughs> honestly, it's been amazing chatting to you. I could listen to you all day, but before you have to go every week on Football Daft, we put our guest's Scottish football knowledge to the test with our 90 second quiz. Okay? Can I say one thing before, I, before we talk about You can't pass already because we've no. <laughs> You might see for see for you see for knowledge, right? Somebody somebody can ask what game I was at on Saturday. <laughs> what game you at on Saturday? Honestly, I genuinely I'm no joking. I, I find it difficult. You know, what I do see with knowledge, right? I do all the stuff I need to do for a game, and then I'll be like, well, like stick it in my brain, do do whatever I need to do for the game, and then it goes. I can't remember. I've got too much to think about. Anyway, these, these questions will be all right. Funny. We've got a wee leaderboard here as well, Connor. We've got David oh. Martindale. Neddy. Is, is Andy going to beat him? He's still top with 16. In joint second, it's John Sutton, Chuck Young, and Hamilton Scott Martin all in 15. Mark Wilson and Keith Lasley are third with 14. Other selected scores include Chick Young on 15, Ailey Barber on 13, and Gordon Duncan on 11. And I'm going get Barry Feastenders, who's on 5. 4 4. four. And at the bottom, it's singer songwriter Karen Beatty with 1. Is there anyone on that leaderboard you really want to beat, Connie? Gordon. Oh. <laughs> Gordon Duncan, come on, Connie. You can beat Gordon on 11. Nah, do you know what? I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to see what happens. So there's 90 seconds on the clock. You can't pass. You must give an answer, okay? And I'll let one of the chaps read the questions out. Oh, I Yeah. Okay, right. <clears throat> so you have to get an answer. All right, here we go. Right, tell me when you're on, ready, <clears throat> John? Yeah. 
Right. Name one of the two new keepers called into the Scotland squad recently. Xander Clark. Which team did Laurent Shanklin move to? Yes. Uh, some team in Belgium. Before Scott McTominay, who was the last Scottish international to play for Man United? Dan Fletcher. Alfredo Morelos signed for Rangers from which team? Oh, pass. I don't know. Uh, Albion Rovers play their home game against which ground? Oh. It's in Clyde Bank, isn't it? Uh, in, uh, in Coke Bridge. Uh, don't know. I can't remember. Laurie Ellis is the head coach of which Scottish team? Martin. What club did Celtic sign Josip Juranovic from? Uh, the Croatian team. Nope. I need an answer here, Connie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who does Scotland play next Wednesday? Say it again. Who does Scotland play next Wednesday? John has made, made a mistake, Corey. We'll stop the clock, forget that this question. Is embarrassing. And then after three, we'll start the clock again and Grade will go to the next question. Right, okay. Three, two, one, go. Where do Queen's Park currently play their home games? Hamden. What team did Dundee United sign Scott McMahon from? St. Mirren. Casper Michael played for which Scottish club? Uh, Falkirk. Who did Celtic sign Lee Griffiths from? Hibs. Angus the Bull is the mascot of which club? Pass. Al- <laughs> uh, Alan Power, Scott Tanzer and Curtis Main all play for which club? Inverness. Time! Oh. Oops, ding dang doodle. Right, here we go. I'll go over the wrong answers for you, Connie. I know, I've got about 55 wrong answers. Uh, right, okay. Uh, I'm going to give you a half point for this one because I made a mistake myself. Uh, which team did John Lawrence Shanklin move to? It was beer shot, but the Belgium team in Belgium will give, give, give us a point. Uh, Morelos uh, moved from HAK in Finland. Albion Rovers play at Clifton Hill. Laurie Ellis is the manager of Queen's Park. Celtic signed Josip Juranovic from Legia Warsaw. Uh. Queen's Park... Just moved out of Hamden, so it's Fur Hill they play at now <laughs> uh, until Lesser Hamden gets done up. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not having that. I thought they were playing. You're not having that. <laughs> You're not having that. <laughs> it's not their home ground. It's not It's a temporary ground. Right, okay, Corey. I'm not arguing with Corey, I know what she's like. Did you he'd signed Scott McMahon from Hamilton? Lee Griffiths signed from Wolves, Ooh. not Hibs. Damn it! I knew uh, Angus the Bull is Aberdeen's mascot and Alan Power, Scott Tanzer and Curtis Main all play for St Mirren at the moment. I'm going to give you the point for Queen's Park. So one, two, three, four, five. Five. You beat Barry. You beat Barry. Aye. And you beat Callum Beatty. That was your, that's what you said. So we're all right. I know, that was your... <laughs> Connie, it looks like you're going to in a bad mood now. <laughs> <laughs> this, was all, this was all lovely chat until the end. <laughs> she's like football, that's nice what she's, a shite. Now she's going to me not fuck you on your husband. Right, Connie, it's been great talking to you. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks 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 for having me.